Hey dreamers, welcome to the Dream Planning Podcast. If you've been led here, I believe it was on purpose. You are created and loved by God and your life is full of purpose. If you've been sitting in a season of searching or unfulfillment and you're ready to change your life and hear from God, this is the podcast for you. Hi, I'm Polly Payne, the CEO and founder of Horatio Printing, and I'm here to lead you in tactical, practical, faith-led trainings to help make your God-sized dreams a reality in your life and your business. Your dreams matter because you matter. So open up your planner, pour a cup of coffee, and let's dream together. Hello, it's Polly. I am back. I'm not fully, fully back from maternity leave, but I am coming on the podcast today to share the story of my new little Valentine, my new little love. Charles Thomas was born December 29th, and so I decided to do a bonus episode on the Dream Planning Podcast to share his birth story. I know it's kind of left field to share a birth story on a Dream Planning Podcast, but it was highly um, requested, and I know personally I love birth stories, so if you don't, this is definitely the episode to skip. Um, if you get kind of grossed out or if this is not your cup of tea, do not do not worry about listening to it. Um, we're going to be talking about all things birth and birth is messy. The thing about dream planning, though, is that a lot of dreams, we ultimately have to surrender those dreams. And I will say that pregnancy and birth is been a dream of mine to have another child. It was on my bucket list last year to grow our family. And so this was a dream of mine and I did have to surrender it. Ultimately, when you go through pregnancy, there's a lot of things out of your control. There's a lot of things you can't plan for, like the day of birth or, you know, when it's going to happen or how it's going to happen. And there's just so much surrender in the process. And I think birth is just a really example, beautiful example of the importance of planning and preparing, but ultimately that we have to surrender. So at the end of the episode, I'm going to share some of my favorite resources, what I packed in my hospital bag, uh, postpartum things that I'm enjoying, especially for those of you who are pregnant or wanting to get pregnant or, you know, on that journey, uh, hopefully that'll bless you. And what I've been doing for like just kind of creating my little nest and routine at home. So let's dive into the story. So Charles Thomas was born December 29th and this is my second child so it's my second birth um my first child Jane was born March 9th 2019 so pre-pandemic so that was definitely something that was very different this time around I'll share a little bit about Jane's birth because they were super duper different okay so Jane was born at Winnie Palmer Hospital in Orlando we were living in Orlando at the time and um, with Jane, I was very overdue. We didn't really have any complications in the pregnancy, praise God. Uh, you know, every test kind of came back normal. She was growing well, very well. <laughs> and uh, so we made it to 41 weeks in one day. And they induced me because it was time to get this baby out. She was kind of looking big and I was done. I was so done. Um, I would not consider myself like a super naturalist in terms of like, I don't want any drugs. And I, you know, um, 
want to wait till the baby's ready. Like I was very much like, let's get this baby out. (laughs) So um, we induced and it took 36 hours from start until she was born to actually have the baby, um, which was quite a while. I showed up to the hospital. I had no effacement, no dilation in my cervix. So it was starting from zero and it took a long time for any of the medicine to work. It wasn't properly placed by the first two nurses. Um, And then ultimately I ended up having um, a lot of pain because the Pitocin was really intense. Once I finally got three centimeters, they put me on Pitocin and um, it picked up a lot. They ended up giving me a epidural and the epidural failed. Um, And that was pretty traumatic for me. Uh, We had a bunch of different CRNAs come in and just kind of give me more doses and more doses. And I was basically numb from like the right above the knee down. Um, And my body started like shaking and I basically had too much medicine because they kept dosing me with the epidural. And um, ultimately I had to just give birth and feel it. And so that was terrible. Well, I think what was kind of not so great about it was the fact that I couldn't sit up to actually, you know, let gravity do work. I was still on my back. They had me pulling up on a rope, um, which killed my upper body and my arms uh, and neck. So at the end of Jane's birth, um, I was extremely sore. I had pushed for two hours and um, had a second degree tear. But ultimately, I was healthy, the baby was healthy, and, you know, we kind of moved on. But I did have a little PTSD of like, oh my gosh, is this epidural going to fail again? Um, So, I don't know. I know a lot of people are anti-epidural or pro-epidural, so if you are nervous and um, I'm just here for whatever you guys end up choosing. I think it's wonderful if you want to do an unmedicated or medicated. Uh, my journey is medicated. So anyways, let me go to the story of Charles, which is most recent. So let me tell you a little bit about his name and why it is so special. So his name is Charles Thomas Willoughby. Charles is very special to me. It's the name of my grandfather, Charles Williams, who was a just incredibly kind, sweet, genuine, nice man. He was a dairy farmer in Tanner Williams, Alabama, which is basically Mobile, if you're familiar with Alabama. Um, And Tanner Williams is part of his heritage. Like he's a Williams and that city is called Tanner Williams. So he was just the kindest man ever. And I miss him dearly. And he's just a beautiful angel in my life. And so I wanted to name my child after him. Uh, Charles is also really special to me and my husband, the name. We have two pictures in our house uh, after World War II Medal of Honor recipients. There's Charles Coolidge and and Charles Yeager. And so we have signed autograph pictures in our home um, of these special veterans. And so that was also kind of fun that he is named after these heroes. Charles means free man. So that's what we're speaking over him, that he would have a life that is light and free and ultimately that he follows Jesus. We've been praying over him that God would write his name in this book of life and protect him and 
just care for him and, and help us raise him into the man he's called to be. Thomas, his middle name, is my husband's middle name. So my husband is Luke Thomas Willoughby. And so Thomas is a family name on his side. Uh, his mother's father was named Thomas. Um, and then a famous Willoughby, the first Willoughby that came over from England to America was named Captain Tom, uh, Captain Tom Willoughby. So he's like this famous Willoughby uh, in the lineage of my husband. So that's kind of fun, um, all the different pieces that fit together to have his special name. So I was due December 29th with the baby. And on December 3rd, I went in for a checkup about four weeks, you know, out from the birth. And they said I was already two centimeters and 50% effaced, which was incredible, meaning like my cervix was already doing something. You know, last time my cervix had done nothing. And so it was like, wow, this baby could actually come before my due date, which was really great because I really wanted to have the baby in December for a couple reasons. Obviously there's tax reasons, but also our deductible. And I was just flat out ready, like just ready to meet the baby, ready to be done with the pregnancy. And so um, I really didn't want to go over my due date. I didn't want the baby to be too gigantic. Like Jane was pretty big. She was at basically eight pounds and just super swollen when she came out. And so um, we, my doctor said, let's go ahead and get you scheduled. So she got me an induction for December 29th at 2 a.m. So throughout December, I was having lots of Braxton Hicks. I ended up uh, progressing to three centimeters by the time we induced. Um, so my body was doing stuff and there was a lot of times where I thought, okay, this could be it, this could be it, but it wasn't it. So <laughs> the night before December 28th, a few days after Christmas, we prepped our bags, we tucked in Jane and tried to go to sleep early because we had to be at the hospital at 2 a.m. So we had to leave around, you know, 1.30 and we'd had really terrible sleep the three nights leading up to the birth. Luke and I both got a massive head cold. I got it first. Jane had had it for a while. And then Luke got it. And so we were all just like mouth breathers. Couldn't breathe out of our nose. Super congested. Sinus pressure. So I had some anxiety there of like, oh my gosh, am I going to give my baby sick? And also, you know, healing from anything while you're healing from birth is just so hard because you're not getting the adequate rest you need. Your body is depleted. You've lost a lot of blood. And so I was just kind of anxious about going through this whole process while being sick. So we woke up at 12.50 in the morning and we got dressed. Hi, my mom was here, so we kissed her goodbye and headed out the door with some hot tea, hoping the hot tea would kind of help our throats and congestion. Um, and so we just were in the car driving to the hospital, just excited, like surreal. Like, I can't believe this is happening. It's almost like when you're in line for a roller coaster, you know, and you're excited about it, but it's like, you know, once you lock in, strap in, and they put that seatbelt on, it's like, okay, it's go time. Like, there's no turning around. Like, this is happening. I'm going. And I was worried they might cancel my induction. They might, you know, say, sorry, you know, we're busy. We're too full to have you. So we got to Erlinger East, which is where we delivered. There were zero people in the waiting room, like zero, at least in our area. Um, we were in like a women's delivery area. So we signed in and sat in the waiting room and about 2.30, they called us up and said, okay, we're ready. We've got your room ready. And so already this was so much better than last time. 
like we already were in our room like this is the room I'm gonna deliver and they had the warmer they had the baby crib like it was like okay this is it this is it so settled in gave a urine sample they put me in my robe and just started getting cozy at 3.15, they put in my IV. I did a hand port, which I would not recommend a hand port. Um, I have great veins. My skin is basically translucent, so you can see like my blue veins very well. And so the lady was like, I really would like to have this one. And then my thought was, okay, let me just let you do whichever one you're going to do really good at. And so she did the hand port, and honestly, it just was terrible because having a hand port IV and then trying to nurse a baby or really do anything with your hand uh, sucks. So if you can get anything other than a hand port, go for that. I would definitely have changed that decision if I could. So around 3.30, they started my Pitocin on a super low setting. After an hour, my contractions weren't really doing anything. And I kind of noticed that I think the, the port was, um, the cord was clamped. And so they put it up from two milliliters to four milliliters and the machine went off and the lady came back in. I was like, I think it's clamped. And so at 4.30, the IV was unclamped. So <laughs> things actually got started at 4.30. And about 5.10, we, I passed out for a nap, um, slept a little bit. And that's right around, when, right around when the nurses switched. So I went from Nurse Beth to Nurse Amber. And that's when contractions really started picking up. It was like, whoa. My doctor arrived early, 6.30, which was so nice. The thing about the induction was that I knew I would have my doctor, which was super great. I did not have my doctor last time. And so she checked me. There was not a ton of progress. I was still around three, three and a half centimeters. And so she said, we're going to break your water, to which I said, great, let's do that. <laughs> It was really uncomfortable. My cervix, like my baby's head was so low that the cervix was actually posterior. So it was really hard to actually get to my cervix to do the cervical exam, which was uncomfortable. But anyways, they broke my water and that's when the contractions really picked up. They were manageable. I was doing my breathing exercise, exercises that, that really helped to increase the, my pain threshold. I studied copa birth for both births it's an amazing online course truly truly amazing i recommend everybody take this course if you are even if you're planning to have an epidural or if you're planning to do natural um, she teaches you how to have a unmedicated hospital birth um, but and just be your own like advocate but i wasn't planning to have an unmedicated, I wanted an epidural, right? And, but having that knowledge of the empowerment of how I can do it if things go wrong was so, so wonderful the first time around with Jane. And this time around, it was great just to kind of do a refresher of like my breathing exercises because there'll be a time where you're going through contractions and you don't have your epidural yet. And so it's just good to know. I'll put a link in the show notes to uh, the course. So my doctor, basically, after she broke my water, contractions started to pick up. She was like, you know, you can get your epidural as soon as you want. And I was like, are you sure? I heard they run out. I don't want it to, like, not, you know, become a numb. Like, I want to get it at the right time. She's like, it's fine. Like, you'll be fine. Like, you get it as early as you want. She really wanted to make sure that my epidural was well-placed and, like, fully set in her, you know, um, concern was just to make it the best day possible for me, which I love. And, um, anyway, so 
I said, okay, let's get it at eight o'clock. And so the anesthesiologist came in. He was an awesome guy. Um, I had so much anxiety because I know when I got my first epidural, it didn't work. And also like there was, there's a little bit of a bee sting that you get when they put it in. And um, I like kind of jumped and you're like, that's exactly what you're not supposed to do. And so I was really nervous this time, but he was so good about walking me through it and helping me feel comfortable and making sure everything was really, really just painless, honestly. And it was just a breeze compared to last time. So after he put the epidural in, all was well. And I laid down, uh, not fully flat, but just a little bit elevated so that the medicine would work its way down and take effect. Um, around 8.45 is when I realized that only my left side was numb. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it's like, no. My left side felt like, uh, you know, when you go to the doctor and you get Novocaine, like my leg, my thigh felt like Novocaine. Like you can't feel it. Um, like, a, like your cheek when you're at the d dentist. But my right side felt like my right side, like fully here. I could feel, you know, my fingernail. I could, it was sharp pains. I could feel it. So that was kind of scary. He came back in, the anesthesiologist, and he kind of put me on my side a little bit elevated and gave me another dose, um, which didn't do anything. And so then my nurse came in and she put me on my side a lot. She gave me another dose and it started to tingle a little bit on my right side, but still nothing. So that was kind of freaking, I was kind of freaking out. Um, so around 945, I was still feeling contractions on my right side, just like directly from my belly button over to the right. I could feel every contraction still. Um, and so that's when they came in and decided, okay, we're going to actually readjust your epidural. Um, basically if they put it in too far, it can kind of go to the right or to the left. And they thought that might be what had happened. So they were going to just pull it out slightly and um, give me another dose. And so here's to, you know, here goes. And so they did that and they gave me another injection and that one put me into straight law land. <laughs> my doctor also put in a monitor um, inside my cervix to check my contractions because the outside monitor was not working well to measure contractions. And so that did not hurt at all. At that point, I was at least numb on half, half, half of my body. Um, so that was really simple and also kind of reassuring that like, okay, like my cervix is pretty numb. So that's good. So the doctor said my only job at this point is to sleep. And so I went to sleep. My nurse came in and put me on a peanut ball at 1045 to open up my hips and really help the baby descend. And honestly, that was such a wild sensation of her trying to move me. And like, I couldn't move my legs. Like I, I, they were like paralyzed and it was just so weird being unhelpful as she's totally caring for me. I just felt so dependent. It was such a crazy feeling. And so she put me on the peanut ball on my left side. And this point, my right side was really starting to numb up. I could still slightly feel contractions, but um, they had also put a narcotic in that last dose. And so I was just like, whatever. <laughs> I didn't know they were doing that, but it was like, you know, helping me sleep. So I um, was on the peanut ball and on my left side. And so the nurse comes in. This is important. Okay, here's the good part. 11.45, the nurse comes in. And she's like, okay, let me check you. We'll see how you're doing. I'd been basically sleeping for an hour, as much as I could sleep with a blood pressure cuff going off every three to 10 minutes and like waking me up. 
<clears throat> so she checks me and she's like, you're six centimeters. And I'm like, yay, that's exciting. That means I went from four to six in two hours, which is one centimeter an hour, which is typical for birth, for labor to do one, progress one centimeter an hour. So here I am 1145 at six centimeters. So she goes, okay, let's, let's adjust you and, and put you on your right side now. And so she flips me over to the other side and I'm feeling good. Uh, you know, I'm sitting there on my other side and she leaves and about two contractions later, about four or five minutes later, I just feel this sudden baby descending. Like I feel this hot bowling ball just kind of pushing down it you know it was like exactly what she said like the baby was descending I could feel it and it was just this in, intense weird feeling pressure and I also felt like I needed to go to the bathroom so I was like okay this is weird I feel like I need to go to the bathroom and I've always been listening to other birth stories and they say like the moment you say I feel like I need to go to the bathroom I need to poop that's when it's like go time so I was like oh my gosh that's weird I'm only six centimeters though so I, my husband's sleeping on the couch and, um, I tell him, I was like, Hey, I, th I think you need to call the nurse. Like I can't reach the remote to call because I'm like in this weird position on a peanut ball with numb legs. And he's like, no, we don't need to call the nurse. We just called the nurse. We just talked to her. She was just here five minutes ago. They just checked you. You were, you were six centimeters. So you need to sleep. And I was like, well, I really feel like I need to go to the bathroom. And like, I feel like I need to tell the nurse. And he was like, no, you really need to sleep. And so I basically told him the printer paper was out of paper, which it was. It was beeping annoyingly because the paper wasn't coming out. It was empty. And so I said, okay, well, why don't we call the nurse and tell her to fix the printer because it's going to beep and I can't sleep anyway. So he's like, okay. So he gives me the remote so I can call the nurse. And I tell them, I feel like I need to go to the bathroom. And so the nurse comes running in because she knows that that's a big deal. And so she goes, can I check you again? I said, absolutely. At this point, it's been 10 minutes since she's been in the room. And she checks me and she goes, Polly, you're nine centimeters. <laughs> it's go time. This baby is coming out. I got to call the doctor. I was shocked. My husband was shocked. I'm like, see, I told you. <laughs> I told you we needed to call the nurse. I mean, it was surreal. 10 minutes I did three centimeters. How nuts is that? Okay, so I was shocked. Luke was shocked. And the doctor arrived 30 minutes later. And in those 30 minutes, I'm literally just sitting there kind of freaking out. I cried a little bit to Luke, like, oh my gosh, I'm nervous. This is so exciting. It was just this overwhelming, like, all of a sudden, here we are. We're at the finish line. You know, we're, we're about to have the baby. And it just hit me. And the lady, the nurse starts running around to get the room prepped. Like, she's like, I'm here, I'm here, but I've got to get this. I've got to get that. She starts calling him back up. Um, you know, she's getting the baby's bed ready. She's getting like this little cart brought in. She's like putting down tarps and, you know, then finally this other nurse comes in and she's like, all right, you ready to have a baby? And I'm like, yeah, let's do this. And so they, um, get my stirrups ready and the lady keeps checking me and she's like, I'm not going to leave your side right now. I'm going to sit right here until people show up. Um, and I was like, are you prepared to catch the baby if you need to? She goes, absolutely. I'm right here, you know? And so, um, it was just scary and exciting and every contraction I just breathed through and I just felt like I was trying to like hold the baby in, but I knew I, I really couldn't. So they removed 
all my monitors. They removed my catheter. They put the stirrups up. And I looked at Luca and we just prayed. I started to cry. I was nervous and overwhelmed. And then all of a sudden, boom, the doctor rolls in. She's, you know, she sits down in the chair. She puts her shoe covers on and she's like, all right, here we are. We're here. And so the nurse kind of lets me do a practice push and I don't do it right. I breathed through it versus holding my breath. And so they kind of explained how they want me to hold my legs and how they want me to push. So we did that for two contractions, but I was straining my neck to the side and they told me curl up like a push up, I'm not a push up, a sit up. So I did that on the next uh, contraction and the baby moved so far. They were like, this is it. You're doing great. And um, another contraction came. The baby was under my pubis bone, which was another great milestone to hit quickly. And then literally I pushed for less than 10 minutes in total and the baby was here. It was so surreal. And as soon as we had one contraction where the baby was crowning and then another contraction, the baby's head was out. I heard the doctor go, hi, cutie, look at you. And he, she started sucking the liquid out of his mouth. And I heard her talking to the baby. And that's when it just like clicked for me and switched like, oh my gosh, this is a real baby. Like this is really happening. On the next push, his shoulders came out and like part of his body were out and they started yelling, look down, look down. I opened my eyes and there he was. He was just like staring at me and he opened his mouth and he just screamed. He wasn't even fully out yet and he just started screaming. And then his legs came out and they put him on my stomach and started wiping him down vigorously. He was covered in that like gunky stuff, you know. And so I just cried with joy and honestly relief. My husband was crying and um, they got the cord ready for him to cut he cut the cord and they let me hold the baby for about an hour in that time I birthed the placenta and then um, the doctor sewed me up and the doctor was gone uh 30 minutes after she'd showed up so she showed up like I was nine centimeters at 11:55. she showed up at 12:27, and she was out the door after birthing the baby, the placenta, stitching me up, talking to me, checking the baby out, she was gone in 30 minutes. <laughs> like it was so quick. The next thing you know, they've got like um, lactation coming in to put the baby on my breast and get all of that started. Um, the baby, they finally weighed him an hour after he was born. He was seven pounds, eight ounces. My Jane was about eight pounds. So it was nice having a slightly smaller baby this time. But all in all, it was just a beautiful, redemptive birth. I'm so grateful. We were able to leave around 3.30 the next day, which was amazing. Um, just so many things were different this time. Like last birth, I pushed for two hours. This time I push for 10 minutes last time the epidural failed this time the epidural worked <laughs> last time it took 36 hours to get to where I was able to have the baby this time I was there for 10 hours and I had the baby last time I was there for 36 hours postpartum this time I was only there 24 hours postpartum because that's required um, I was able to have my doctor there this time and my upper body wasn't completely sore. They didn't make me pull up on any silly ropes or anything. Um, but a lot of that was because I was already three centimeters at the start. You know, I didn't have to do any cervical ripening. Um, so that was really nice. 
Also, this time was a little different because I had, you know, it was a pandemic. It was, that was a little different. Luckily, they didn't make me wear a mask. My husband did have to wear a mask. Um, but I will say that I had COVID last December and um, my daughter got it and, you know, it kind of went through our household last December before Delta, the new variants and everything. And so I didn't really get the vaccine because I felt like I had that immunity but during my pregnancy, I did decide to get the COVID vaccine about 4.5 months into my pregnancy after an anatomy scan came back where the baby was fully formed and looking good. I just kind of had more confidence. And so not to say, uh, not to make this political at all, pro-vaccine or anti-vaccine or whatever. I just want to share that because I know there's some people that are, might listen that are pregnant and debating. And um, if you were wondering if I did it, I did. And I don't regret it. Honestly, I have confidence that the baby's got antibodies now from that vaccine and also antibodies from me that I had it. Um, also got the flu vaccine and the other ones that were recommended, DTaP. So if you were curious, that's my answer on that. So I wanted to share some of my favorite resources with you um, at the end of the episode. Uh, that's pretty much the conclusion of the birth story. Like we're we're doing good. Baby is um, getting close to his birth weight. He dropped some weight at the beginning. That's pretty normal. And so we're just in this cycle now of feeding and diapers and, you know, sleep and figuring all of that, those rhythms out with him. So I wanted to share some of my resources. For my hospital bag, I am so thankful I packed lots of cozy socks, a cozy robe, um, I also packed extra pajamas. Like as soon as you can get out of the robe and put on your own pajamas, it is like night and day. It is night and day. You also want to pack a couple extra newborn outfits for baby because um, they spit up so much at the beginning. They still might have amniotic fluid in their system. And so it's like it seemed like everything I fed him, he spit up because he just had so much amniotic fluid in his tummy for, from coming out so quickly. And so I would put him in something cute and boom, it would just be gone. And also you want to make sure that um, what you're putting him in isn't going to be hurting the umbilical cord or the circumcision. So, you know, elastic waistband for baby, like pants, I wouldn't recommend that. Just something really light and cozy um, for them. That's critical. Stuff with mittens on it built in is critical. And for me, I also really like to have, um, a, I keep a little small pouch of little things I want, like my chapstick, some face lotion. Um, I brought a jade roller, which I get so swollen. We all do with pregnancy, especially if they give you the bags of fluid. And so having a roller to just like help push things out of your lymph nodes is so, so nice. Um, so those are some of the things I really liked. Everything else pretty much the hospital had, honestly, like I didn't need much. Um, so things that also are pretty critical is there's a book that I read that I really love called The First 40 Days, How to Nourish a Mom. And one of the big principles from this book, I'll put the link to the book in the show notes, is that when we are pregnant, we have twice as much blood in our body. We are hot blooded and the baby is hot. And if you look at like Chinese medicine, there's yin and yang. Yang is hot, yin is cold. And we are very yang. We're very, very warm. And after we give birth and we lose all this blood and the baby is out of our body, we are so cold. We're like drafty. 
And so it is so critical that we stay warm and cozy no matter what time of year it is. And that's why it's important to stay inside, to stay bundled up, to keep that baby on you so you guys can both create heat and warmth together. And so taking stuff to make sure you're going to be cozy, like robes, um, little sweaters that go, you know, long drapey sweaters, slippers, cozy socks, just think warmth. You want to be warm. You want the baby to be warm. So whatever you need there to be warm. So at home, what's been really helpful is I prepared my postpartum little kits around each bathroom, but my main kit is in my bathroom uh, connected to my bedroom. And you want to have all your stuff there in this little station. And so in that station, I've got my um, adult disposable underwear. I've got my peri bottles. I've got tucks, which hazel cooling pads. I've got my perennial ice packs that are disposable. And I've got all of those in like a little caddy. You have like one of those rolling carts. That's great too. If that fits in your bathroom, if not, you can get like a little caddy and just put it next to the toilet. But that has been so nice to have. And I have a little miniature version of that station in each bathroom. So if I'm at the other end of the house, I've got what I need over there. Uh, so I don't have to be walking too far to get to my bathroom, if that makes sense. So having your station set up is great. Having two different diapering stations is really good. Like in my bedroom, we have the baby in our room right now and we've got our changing table is my dresser. Um, we've got a little station of his little clothes and his diapers and by my bed, I have a basket of just linens, like burp cloths, swaddles, little linen cloths, thick blankets, like all types of stuff because you just want to have everything there at your disposal. On my nightstand, I've got a little station of things I need, like you might need a nipple shield, you might need a little haka uh, breast milk catcher. And so those are the things I keep by my bed ready to go throughout the night that I can quickly reach with one hand. Obviously, you'll always want to have your water next to you. Um, but just having those stations set up ahead of time where I don't have to move around too much. I've got what I need. Um, that's been really critical and really, really helpful. And again, for labor prep and that mental prep with the breathing and all of that, I highly recommend Copa Birth as um, a great cost-effective labor and delivery class that really helps you and your partner prepare um, it empowered Luke to really, really support me through the birth, helping me with counting, helping me, especially in my first birth, because we had to go through it pretty much without the epidural. So if you have any other questions, um, I am here to give answers. Hopefully this wasn't too much TMI, but I definitely want to share everything with you guys so that you have what you need. Um, and if you have any questions, feel free to DM me at Horatio Printing or Polly underscore Payne. I hope you have a wonderful day and I can't wait to share more amazing things on the Dream Planning Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Dream Planning Podcast. I hope that this episode blessed you today. If it did, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a quick 15 second review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. I would love to connect with you. Now, if you don't have a 2022 dream planner yet, what are you waiting for? Now is the time to dream big with God for the new year. 
You can use my code podcast15, that's podcast15, to get 15% off your order today. And I also want to make sure you know that you are invited to join the Horatio Printing Academy and take the Dream Crafting course. If you're wanting to know more about your purpose and your calling and to map out your God-sized dream, this is the course for you. I cannot wait to welcome you inside and let you join the Dreamer Circle community. We are waiting for you. Head over to thedreamerinyou.com to get more information. You can grab your planner over at HoratioPrinting.com. Have a wonderful day. You are so loved and the best is yet to come.